How many of you ready for a miracle? Come on. How many of you ready to see a miracle? Experience a miracle? You know, when I think about miracles and I think about what I've seen in my own life personally, what I've heard and read testimony of, there's an excitement that gets inside of me because one of the things that I realize is this, is that miracles are not something that were just of yesterday, they're of today as well. That God still desires to move in the hearts and lives of individuals like yourself, like me. Like he desires to move in our communities, that he desires to move in our families, that he desires to move in, in our workplaces, that he desires to move because he is a God who is alive. We last week celebrated the fact that he has risen. And just last week was not the only time he had risen. No, no, he's still alive today. As Pastor Casey was talking about, he still is moving in our hearts and in our lives. And last week the place was packed out. And then spring break hit, and then all these moments happen, and I'm sitting there, I'm processing through, and one of the things that I realized is this, is that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he does not change, that he was still the same God last week that we rejoice in, and he's still the same God this week that we rejoice in. Now, when you think of the word miracles, what comes to mind? What comes to your mind when you hear the word miracle? Do you think about things that are going on around you? Do you think about, about miracles that are happening uh, in your families, miracles that are happening in, in your workplace, miracles that are happening still today? Or do you look at the word miracle and think, I don't know if that is for me. When you look at just the definition of the word miracle, one of the things that you'll find is this, is that it means an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. An extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. That's what the dictionary defines a miracle as. It goes on to say, an extremely outstanding or unusual event or thing. Now when you think about that, if you were to see someone grow an arm back, how many of you would say that would be a little unusual? If someone you knew that was blind from birth received sight, that would be outstanding, wouldn't it? It would be extremely outstanding. I was digging a little deeper and was reading through a, a Bible dictionary, and one of the things that they had defined the word miracle as, they said this, they said wonders. Wonder-causing events producing astonishment in the beholder. Our culture is infatuated with the supernatural. From the movies we watch, to the books we read, to the moments that we continue to take in, we are, we are astonished and always looking for miracles. We're always looking for the divine, for the supernatural to happen among us. God has always, though, been in the miracle-working business, doing for others what can only be accomplished through supernatural intervention. When you look at the very character of who Jesus is, when you look at his life as it unfolded here on this earth, one of the things that you would see is Jesus touched and transformed countless lives. Like many of the events in the life of Jesus, his miracles were, were often documented by eyewitnesses who were there on the scene. Can you imagine what it must have been like to see some of those moments? 
to experience that, to experience Lazarus coming back from the dead. How many think that would have been a cool moment? Here's Jesus speaking to, to a dead body that's in a tomb, and, and he says, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes out all, all bandaged up. That would have been a really cool miracle to see. Or it would have been cool to see Peter walking on water. Come on, think about it. You're in the boat, you're hanging out, and all of a sudden Jesus says, come, and one of the guys gets excited enough and, and believes with faith enough, and he steps out of the boat, and all of a sudden he's walking on water. That would have been a cool miracle to see as well. And the thing is, is I think sometimes in our life, we think these definitions of miracle that we see up here on the screens are, are definitions that were from long ago and don't happen today. But I'm telling you that God is still a miracle-working God. The recorded miracles of Jesus number at 37. There's 37 miracles that are recorded throughout the four Gospels. But here's the thing, not all the miracles that happened were actually recorded. In fact, John chapter 21, verse 25 actually speaks to it. It says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Come on, like, if all the miracles that Jesus had performed had been all written down, it, there'd be too much. God is a miracle-working God, not only back then, but here today. If we were to sit around and give all the praise reports and all the moments of when God has faithfully intervened in people's lives, and here's what I know about miracles. There are miracles happening among us that we don't even know about. There are moments where God is keeping us from disaster that we don't even know about. I can think of when I was a young boy and, and we were driving on a trip and I remember my dad feeling the impression that he was to get out of a lane of traffic. He had been traveling in behind the semi for quite some time. And all of a sudden, he just felt in his spirit he had to get out from behind that semi truck. I remember as a young boy sitting there in the car. I remember him saying, Susan, can I get over? Can I get over? And, he, and she's, he's trying to get over. He finally gets over outside of that lane. And, and moments, moments later, all of a sudden, you hear this. And literally, the semi-truck in front had slammed on their brakes. The semi-truck that was behind us didn't see that, slammed right into the back of that trailer, and we would have been smushed right in behind them. Now, that was a miracle that I can remember as a kid, but there are miracles like that that are happening all around us all the time. The 37 miracles of Jesus Christ were written down throughout the New Testament to serve specific purposes. None of them were performed for just amusement or randomly or even for show. Each miracle had a message. One of the messages would be that Christ loves mankind. Can you look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, Christ loves you? Look at the person on the other side of you and you too. Christ loves you. And one of the messages is that Christ desires to meet the needs of mankind. A second is this, is that it confirms Christ's identity and the authority as Son of God. There was even times in the Scripture where Jesus actually refused to do miracles because they didn't fall into one of those two categories. We look at the moment where he's with Herod. It says this in Luke chapter 23, When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him. And he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. 
Jesus isn't someone who's up there in heaven and he's just like, ah, oh, let, me, let me show off. It's not for amusement. It is for those people who have a true need in their life and to, for others to identify with the identity of who Christ is. When, my, when I think about the miracles of Jesus, I'm reminded of different miracles all throughout. I mean, think about the woman who pressed in. The scriptures tell us this, that she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I know I could be healed. So she presses through a crowd, touches the hem of his garment, and receives her healing. I think back to the blind uh, man, Bartimaeus, who's crying out, have mercy on me. And yet here he is on the side of, of that road in Jericho, and Jesus has this encounter with him, and in one encounter, he receives his sight. Or the ten lepers who are made clean. Or think about the, the little girl who was brought back to life. Or the paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof by his friends. Or Jesus' first miracle of turning water into wine. The beauty is, is that Jesus has been always performing miracles, and he still performs miracles today. The first miracle he performed, though, was a miracle that had simplicity at its core. The simplicity of the miracle was this, is that Jesus' mother had said to the servants, listen, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Do whatever he tells you. So whatever Jesus says, do it. The issue was they had ran out of wine. The issue was there would be humiliation brought upon the family. The issue was Jesus was actually going to, to foretell the celebration and the coming king. He needed in that moment to, to turn the water into wine, not just for the miracle of the need that was there, but also to show his identity as king, to show his identity as the, as the messianic king who would soon be coming. But I want to look this morning at the second miracle, and it's found in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, if you could open up to John chapter 4. We're going to walk through a passage of Scripture here in verse 46, starting off. It says this, So he came to Cana, and Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Now remember, we have just alluded to the miracle, the first miracle that Jesus ever performed, that was turning water into wine. But here in John chapter 4, we're going to read about his second miracle. And from this, I believe that we're going to take away a lot of different pieces that we can apply to our lives today. Now this is the same place that Jesus had performed the miracle. So chances are probably pretty good that Jesus, the word had traveled around about Jesus. In fact, probably the word had gotten out, man, Jesus really performed this incredible miracle there. So people had been hearing about what was happening. But Jesus' first miracle that was there was, was this miracle showing the joy of the messianic work, the, that there was a celebration that was to come. It goes on to say in verse 46, and to the Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. Now this official was probably, scholars would say, probably connected to the royal household of some sort. He would have been a noble person. He would have been someone of stature. But the issue is, is this, is that even people of stature, even people who, who are considered in the eyes of others successful, this person still had a need. Because we all know that needs are not just found in those who are maybe struggling in life, but they're also found in the successful in life. That needs arise among all of us. There are people who 
face great needs in their lives. There are moments that happen where all of a sudden a need arises, and that's what happens with this official. His son becomes ill. Now, as a parent myself, I can say this, that one of the things that I think is one of the hardest things as a parent to ever experience is, is to see your son or your daughter sick. Come on. Anyone in the house? Ever been there before? Where literally you, you feel like your hands are tied. It's like, man, there's, there's nothing I can do. I remember when our kids, when they were younger, there were times where they were sick. And it's like you wanted to take their place. You, you desire, like, man, I, I would take their place so that they could actually be made whole and well. Like, I'll take it. But yet you're sitting there watching your child sick. And what happens is, is as a parent, you become desperate. You become desperate for anything. I've watched it. I've watched it unfold in my own life. I've watched it unfold in other parents' lives. They become desperate. They're willing to do whatever it takes to make their son or their daughter well. This official would have been no different. He would have been experiencing the same thing. His son was very ill. Ever been desperate for a miracle? Ever been in a place where you were like, man, I I need a miracle. Maybe it's a miracle in your child. Maybe it's a miracle in your work. Maybe it's a miracle in your family. Maybe it's a miracle in in your health or your finances. You're like, I just, I need a miracle. I need a divine intervention to take place in my life. This man needed a divine intervention. Verse 47 reads this. It says, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea, to Galilee, he went to him and he asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, I've never lost a child, and I'm very thankful for that. But I have watched people lose a child, and I have seen the grief that has overcome them in those moments. I've seen people desperate for a miracle for their child. I think of some friends of ours at the church that we used to pastor at in Holt, and their young boy had actually gotten cancer, and they fought, and they fought, and they fought, and, and they did every, every known medicine out there, and experimental, and all these different things, and they lost their son. And we had prayed, and we had believed for a miracle And you sit there in that moment and you watch a family grieving and I've watched it begin to tear apart at their marriage and begin to tear apart at them emotionally. There's this need that rises up inside of us where we sit there and we go, man, I just, like in the midst of needing a miracle, like what's happening? What's happening among us and through us? What I mean by through us is this, is that sometimes God is trying to do something through us. Sometimes he's trying to do something in us. There are moments where sometimes the need that arises in our life, God is trying to utilize that moment to bring our attention and our focus towards him, which I would say this, affliction many times brings people to Jesus. We don't like to think of it that way, but afflictions do. Ever met somebody who was down ever met somebody who was in need of a miracle? They're so desperate, they're turning to everyone, they're saying, I I just, I, I don't know what to do in this moment. And affliction many times brings people to Jesus. I think about how God uses my afflictions, my struggles, my pain, 
many times to bring me to that realization that he is with me, that he is walking beside me, that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Verse 48 goes on to say this, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He goes on to say, the official said to him, sir, Come down before my child dies. See, this man knows the urgency of the moment. He knows his son is going to die. And Jesus has just said to him prior, he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. This man knew that all he needed was his son to be touched by Jesus. He didn't quite understand all of it. He didn't even quite understand probably even who Jesus really was. But he knew that Jesus could heal his son. See, I think the problem in our culture today isn't that people don't think that Jesus can do things. They just look at the people who represent him and they think, do you believe it? I think people are questioning whether we really believe that Jesus can touch someone's life. This man wasn't questioning whether Jesus could do it. He knew that if he could get with Jesus, Jesus could then meet the need. Why do people not look to us in moments of great need? Why don't they come to us in those moments and say, man, will you please pray for me? Why is that not a continuous thing that's coming off of people's mouths? I think some of it is, is because they're wondering whether we believe that Jesus can and will heal. We question. We pray for things that are easy. Oh, you're sick to your stomach? Okay, I'll pray for that. And then someone says, man, I just found out that it's not that I'm sick to my stomach. I just found out that I have stomach cancer. Oh, oh, well, uh, I'll pray for you. And listen, one encounter with Jesus can do everything. It's not you or I that perform the miracles. Jesus who performs the miracle. What G- this man knew was he just needed to be with Jesus. And that's why he said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Now, did Jesus not know the urgency of the moment? No, he knew. But I think what Jesus was saying to him in this moment is what he continues to say here. It says, Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. Now, how many of you would just believe in that moment when Jesus says it? Because this man, he just believed. Jesus said, your son will be made well, and he will live. And the man's like, good enough for me. And he goes off. But I think what a lot of us would do is we would question, we would say, well, wait a minute, Jesus, wait, wait, wait. Can, can I phone home real quick? Can, can I find out if he's okay? But this man trusted Jesus, trusted the moment. And here's one of the things I think we see in this text right here is we see that miracles aren't limited by distance. It's interesting how this man who didn't even believe actually realized that his miracle for his son wasn't limited by distance. All Jesus had to do was say the word. All Jesus had to do was speak the word over it. And can I just say, miracles are not limited by distance. So if you have a family member or someone who is sick and they're far away, listen, miracles are not limited by distance. It goes on to say this in verse 51. It says, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. It's interesting how immediately after this, 
the man does what Jesus has said. Jesus said, go, your son will live. The man believed the word. Jesus spoke to him, and, and he went on his way. So then as he's going, the servants then meet with him, and they tell him, listen, your son is recovering. And here's the thing. is The next thing that I think we see here is that miracles don't always require visible evidence. That man didn't need visible evidence to know that he could trust God. He knew that if God spoke it, then that would be the case. I love talking with people who are believing for a miracle in their life, and here's what they'll say to me many times. They'll look at me and they'll say, you know, Pastor Brian, I'm believing for this miracle to take place in my life. I have not seen it yet, but I know that God is doing it. I haven't, I haven't experienced it right now, but it's okay because I know that God is a healer. I know that I can take God's word at what he says. There are people who are living out, who are walking out, and they're right among us. There are some of them who are sitting in this room right now. They're walking miracles. Why? Because they've realized that miracles don't always require visible evidence. But here's the beautiful thing about it, is that God does provide the evidence all the time. It goes on to say this in the scriptures. It says, So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. It says this in verse 53. The father knew that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live, and, be, and he himself believed and all his household. Which leads me to this next thing, is that miracles are always connected to what Jesus says. Miracles are always connected to what Jesus says. Now that's good news for you and me, because that means we can read throughout the word of God, and we can see what God says about things that are going on in life. So when his word tells us that if there's anyone who is sick among you, he's to call for the elders of the church, the elders of the church will anoint you with oil and uh, and pray the prayer of faith, and lay their hands on you, and you will be healed, guess what that tells you? You can be healed today because God's word speaks that. It speaks it over our lives, that miracles are happening among us. The next thing we see is this, is found in verse 54. It says, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Before that, it said in verse 53, and he himself believed in all his household, which tells us this, that miracles bring people to faith in Jesus all the time. Miracles bring people to faith in Jesus all the time. So what does it mean to experience a miracle? Back across this room, here's what I want you to do. I want you just to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to think with me for a moment about what it means to experience a miracle. I want you to think with me for a moment this morning about a miracle that you're needing in your life. And I want you to picture a loving God who sees your need
And not only does he see your need, but he says, I am willing to meet you right where you are. And he's asking you right now, will you receive the miracle that I have for you? And would you right now, with your eyes still closed, would you just see yourself grabbing a hold of that miracle? Would you see yourself right now grabbing a hold of that miracle for your family, that miracle for your for your workplace, that miracle for yourself. You can open your eyes up. If Jesus was willing to do it for this man who didn't even believe back then, why would he not do it for you right now? Is he not loving? Is he not kind? Is he still, is he not alive? No, he is. He is kind. He is loving. He is alive. He desires to meet with you right now. He desires to to see a miracle happen in your life right now. Four principles of a miracle real quick. Four principles of a miracle. The first is this, is you and I need to take Jesus at his word. If Jesus speaks something, we need to take him at his word. Can I encourage you, take Jesus at his word. If you're in need financially in your life, you should be digging in the scriptures and looking for every spot in the scriptures where it talks about God supplying for your needs, him being your supplier, him, him providing financially for you. You need, to, you need to be looking all throughout the scriptures. What does God's word say over this in my life? If you needed a healing in your body right now, man, you should be Googling, and, and some of you are like, really, just Google it? That's probably one of the easiest ways to do it, is just to be like, scripture verses on healing. And boom, Google does all the work for you. Back in the day, when I, was, when I was in Bible college back in the day, you used to have, man, you had all these books and concordances, and you'd have to go in there and look them all up. Now you Google everything. Listen, Google's your friend. Google it. Google those things that are out there. But take Jesus at his word. Look for instances all throughout the scriptures where you can take Jesus at his word. And the next is this, is focus on what God wants to do in you. What does God want to do in you today? What does he want to do in your marriage? What does he want to do in your, your, your health? What does he want to do in your workplace? What does God want to do in you? Focus on what God wants to do in you. The third is this, is believe the un believable. Believe the unbelievable. There are things that will happen in our lives that are unbelievable. There are moments that will happen around you and I that we'll look at and we'll go, man, I just, that, that's really hard to believe. That is how this man who experienced this miracle, that's probably how he felt. But he knew that if he could just get with Jesus, he knew if Jesus could just speak those words, then his son would be healed. His son would be made whole. He had to believe for the unbelievable. And the last one is this, is is just expect the best. That you and I need to expect the best. Is God not a good God? Is he not a caring God? Is he not a loving God? 
And you may look at your clock right now and go, man, we are wrapping up early. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. Because here's what I want us to do today is Karis is going to come up and she's going to play. She's always like the sneaky person from behind. But as I was processing through this morning and processing through this message and thinking about how do you teach on miracles? Well, why not let people experience one? See, I I don't have the right words to tell you how to experience a miracle. But I do know the one who does. And I do know the history of this church. And I know that along these altars for years, there have been miracles that have taken place. I've heard about them. I've seen them, but I want to see them today. Not so I can be like, wow, look at the signs and wonders. No, I just want people to know that God is still alive, that he's still working, that he's still moving. And so this morning, we've allowed time for us to experience a time around the altar. Because I know this, that one encounter with Jesus can change everything. I know that you can take him at his word. I know that you can focus on what God wants to do in you. I know that you can believe for the unbelievable. I know that you can expect the best. Ephesians 3.20 says this, that God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request. Beyond your wildest dreams, he does it not by pushing us around, but by his spirit deeply and gently working inside of us. And I know this, that God desires to work in and through your life. And so maybe today you need a miracle personally, or maybe today you need a miracle to take place in a family member or in someone that you work with, or, or maybe it's a neighbor, but it's someone that you're like, man, they need a miracle. I believe that we serve a God who is all about miracles. So if you could just, for a moment, bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a second. Father, across this room, I ask that your presence, that we know is here, because your word tells us that where two or more are gathered, there you are. So Father, we recognize that you're here in this place. We take you at your word. Father, we recognize, God, that since you're here in this place, that does, we know that you desire to move in and through your people. And Father, I know that this morning is going to be a morning where miracles are going to take place because you're a good God. And because you're a good God, you desire to meet with your children here today in these moments and this time. And so we've created space, Father, in this gathering this morning for you to meet with us here. And so, Father, I pray that in these next few moments as we open these altars and as people will make their way down here who need a miracle in their life, I pray, Father, that you would meet with us here today. That you would meet with us here today. Father, like you did with this official, 
who said, my son is sick, my son is ill. And you spoke to him, you just said, go, for your son will live. He will be made whole and well. And Father, I know that just as you loved that young boy, God, you love each and every one of us here today. So Father, I ask that you would meet with us here. If you have a need in your life this morning, I'm gonna ask you to do this. If, you, if you're expecting, you're believing, you may not even fully understand it all, but you're like, man, I just, man, I would love a miracle. I, would, I need a miracle in this area of my life. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's you need a miracle in your marriage. Maybe you need a miracle in your finances. Maybe you need a miracle in your workplace. Maybe you need a miracle emotionally in your mind. Maybe you're, maybe you're just like, man, I just, I, I, just, I just want to get closer to God. I just want to spend time in his presence. Here's what we're going to do. We've created the time in this gathering this morning. Just come and gather around these altars. Come on, would you come? Just come and gather around and just begin to seek God and just begin to ask him, just begin to say, God, I'm just, I'm believing for a miracle in my life. I'm believing for a miracle in my life. I need a miracle in this area of my life. Father, across these altars, God, may you move in the hearts and lives of your people, God. God, we need you. Father, we need you. Father, we need you. We can't, we can't do it on our own, God. We need you. So here's what I'm going to ask. Those of you who have been serving Jesus a long time, or those of you who maybe haven't been, let's just say this, those of you who have a relationship with Jesus and you're like, I got enough faith to believe with these individuals, would you just come up and just lay a hand on their shoulder right now? And would you just begin to pray with them and just say, man, I'm believing for God to do something in your life, for him to do a miracle in your life, for him to, for him to do a work right now?
as I was praying right over there for a minute, one of the things I just felt impressed by the Spirit was to encourage you to do something, to take a, a step of faith today. I know that coming down to an altar is a step, but just to believe for your healing, I'm gonna ask you to do something in the seat pocket in front of you is a praise report. And I'm gonna ask you to grab that praise report and to write out the praise as though it's happened. That you'll take a step today and say, here it is, and then what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to take that with you and you're gonna believe and decree and declare that very thing. You'd be like, this is my miracle. This is what God has done for me. This is the praise report. And then what I believe is gonna happen is, and then what I felt like the Holy Spirit was just impressing in my heart is that he's gonna give you opportunity then this week to turn that in because it's gonna happen. That he's gonna do that miracle in your life. He's gonna show you that very thing and you're gonna turn in that thing. But, but right now, just grab that praise report right in front of you and just, just write it out just to begin to picture it. God is a God that does not lie. He is a faithful God, he is a loving God, and he desires to meet with you right where you are. And I truly believe with all my heart that there have been miracles that have taken place, why? Because I know who God is. And I know that if we'll seek his face and we'll trust him, that he is faithful to meet with us right where we are. Maybe for you today, it was a, a moment of you, you were, wasn't even just a miracle for you. It's like, man, I'm just, I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm, I'm tired of living the same old way. And just felt the Holy Spirit prompting your heart in that way, man. Go ahead and fill out one of those connect cards in the seat pocket in front of you. We would love for you to connect with you and everything. And we believe God is doing a work in and through our church. And so what we wanna encourage you to do is to walk it out this week, to spend time soaping. Even today we were soaping in Hebrews chapter, what is it, 10, right? And uh, we were in there and it's talking all about Jesus being our mediator, that he's, he's the one that, that has provided a new covenant for us, a new way of, of living. In fact, it was talking today about how if there is no shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. But remember, Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood so that you and I could be forgiven, so that we could walk in that forgiveness. That's what Easter season's all about. That's what we were remembering, not only the cross, but we were remembering the fact that he has risen from the dead, that he still desires to meet with us right where we are and uh, right where you are today. And so God bless. We love you guys. We'd love to see you guys this Wednesday night at 6.30. We'll have a time here and uh, in, in, in actually right in here. No, actually one more week upstairs. Sorry, one more week upstairs uh, in groups. But we'd love to have you guys. If not, we'll see you guys next week at 9-11. God bless and have a great week.